0: Hey there, you found Off the Water, the premier kayak fishing show for the Gulf Coast. We interview the best anglers to find out what they did, where they went, and what they used fishing reports, cool products and accessories, upcoming kayak tournaments, kayak safety, rigging tips and tricks, sponsor highlights, club member specials and more, all on Off the Water, live and podcast and now, here's your host of Off the Water, Mr. Sean
1: Rustanis.
2: right. Hey, everyone. Thank you for coming out to uh, the Backpacker here in Baton Rouge. First of all, uh, thank you to Jared, Tyler, everybody here with the Backpacker crew for letting us take over their uh, second story here in Baton Rouge. Uh, we got food and drinks and everything available for everybody. Thank you for everybody who came out. We have a couple guest speakers tonight, Brendan and Steve. They're going to go over some tips and tactics tonight for Paddlepalooza. We have Paddlepalooza coming up. March twelfth. It's going to be hosted out of Empire Marina and Empire, Louisiana, down Highway twenty three. A little bit different this year. Typically, we fish Highway one in the fall. You know, Hurricane Ida did some damage down there, so we had to make a couple changes to the uh, tournament lineup this year. So that's going to be one of the first changes this year. Um, so we wanted to take the opportunity pull some uh, pro kayak anglers over here and uh, hopefully give us some information to help everybody out in the club on catching fish for Battle uh, Palooza. And uh, we're live streaming this across Bayou Coast, and uh, we'll be posting it up later as a podcast and a video for everybody who's not able to join us tonight. But uh, we have a pretty good turnout tonight, so really appreciate y'all showing up. So uh, I'll let Steve and Brendan come on up and take over. Um, Steve, I think if we stand right here, we're both in the camera. Side. Oh, yeah, it's, it's got a good range. You can
0: okay,
1: see it okay. yeah.
0: All right. Good afternoon,
3: everyone. Um, we're looking forward to one of the best events in kayak fishing, uh, especially the Gulf Coast. Uh, the bass fishing is absolutely fun, but we still, all of us, love our coastal saltwater fishing. And uh, we hope to uh, give some good information tonight so that more people can feel like they have a, a really good opportunity to catch fish and be successful. So. This is gonna be open, especially towards the end. We, we brought some lures, we've got some tackle, we can talk about some fishing knots, we can, some lures, some different trips, and tips that uh, might help you out.
0: So yeah, uh, pretty exciting for me is that we're fishing uh, Patapalooza, an event that's usually down Highway 1. This year, because of the hurricane, we're shifting locations, we're going back to Empire, where we just had uh fallen tide and so it's an area that most people have fished before but they haven't fished it this time this time of year so uh luckily between the years and the decades me and steve have gone there this time of year and kind of will share some of our advice i'm sure you guys have had success there i know a lot of the guys out here fished for a long time so uh, and a lot of these guys know uh and spares like the back of their hand. So uh. absolutely. Well we're we're uh, we're gonna talk
3: about the the whole highway from top to bottom, maybe some places to go and some conditions that each place is gonna offer. And that's gonna help you put a plan together, especially if we have different weather conditions. And that's what's important. So you can't just say, well, I have a spot, I'm going to go to that spot, and if you do, and the wind's blowing the wrong way, your spot may be no good, so you have
0: to have alternate plans, and that's what we're going to try to provide for you here. This tournament uh, being a slam tournament, it's uh, very important to manage your time, to kind of know what historically uh, is a, a good fish, an excellent fish, and a fish that you can live with to progress to the next species, because... You only have a certain amount of time, and I think it's almost as important for being a successful tournament angler to know when to hold them and when to fold them, as opposed to, like, if you can catch the biggest trout or the biggest red among your peers, you, you got to know when that's good enough to move on to the next one. Uh, you know, we're trying – this. I, I think this one is going to be a weigh-in tournament, right? Yes. So we're going to shift away from the uh, ruler and the, and the catch boards and all that stuff back to the old school – Catch them in uh eat them style. Uh-huh. By Coast tournament. And uh so flounder, always the tricky one. Uh you know, obviously you wanna throw some lords that are gonna be on the bottom. Uh you probably wanna pick some areas that you're fishing that don't have a lot of aquatic grass so you can get it to the bottom. Um, you know, uh fishing slow, fishing uh are we gonna have bait at this tournament? Uh, live bait I think is allowed. Okay, lying,
1: Jonathan. <clears throat>
0: yeah yeah a, lot of a lot as well. of bait as well so uh you know uh cockahoe minnows certainly uh are uh you know crack for the uh for the flounder yeah um, absolutely yeah uh it's no shame uh you know you're, you're competing for prizes that are worth lots of money so yeah. no uh no shame no grudges held if you uh Stoop to using the uh, cockahos. <laughs> so I know I've done it. And I know several people who have won have done it. Redfish, you know, typically I like to, you know, you're going for weight, not length now. So uh, you want to fish in areas where you find fatter redfish. I usually like to fish in aquatic grass kind of areas. Those those tend to have a little bit more shoulders on. Uh, if you kind of find the more ocean going uh big bay reds they're kind of long and slender and you know not as not eating as much crustaceans and stuff and getting kind of bulky um uh, so Brandon's talking about
3: some of the areas um and to expand on that uh let's talk about flounder um i have caught some hammer flounder down highway 23 uh one year i caught one that was uh so big i just just couldn't believe it uh well over 20 inches uh super wide uh just giant the day before paddle lose or fallen time the day before didn't tell anybody until the day after so i had to hold that secret for a while but i was really mad that i caught that fish because I said, oh, that looks right. And I made the cast, and I can almost not stop myself, you know, just sort of like looking at a car wreck. You just can't stop yourself. I made the cast, and bam, he hit. I went, no. And so I, I pulled back, and it was a giant flounder, you know. So um, some of the areas that you're going to target for, for flounder. Flounder, in my opinion, They like those mud bottoms where they can blend in. If you have that slime grass bottom, uh, I just don't find that I catch as many flounder in those situations. So if you're in a habitat where you have a lot of slime grass and all, that may be the area where the edges of that, where you have that excellent red fishing, but you may not have the flounder there. So you may have to look at the nearest bayou, the nearest point where you have a drop off or a little ditch that is clean. That is the areas, in my opinion, that you would want to target those final uh, Ditches are excellent. Little, little gravelly shell areas are excellent. Uh, areas where they can get an ambush and they like just the slightest bit of current or an area where it's draining out of a marsh. Those are all good and wood. If you find a piling, uh, any kind of a piece of piling or something, it's always worth making a cast. This side, this side, this side, this side. Okay, nothing there. There's another pile, let's go do the same thing again. It's kind of monotonous, and flounder fishing drives a lot of people crazy. But really, really focusing on when you're flounder fishing on that getting to the bottom is the is the key, in my opinion.
0: Uh, fishing areas that have a lot of structure around the water, uh, areas that you see a lot of uh, minnow activity. I know that you cannot not always see that, but like if you're seeing a lot of uh, you know, small bait fish in the area, especially like cockahos that are on the bottom. That's always a good place to target. You want to slow it down. If you find one of those areas that looks really perfect, it's almost better to spend the 20 minutes just blanketing, casting that area than moving on and trying to find these perfect kind of Goldilocks scenarios. Once you find one of those, you really need to hit it hard. Let's say if this, you know, flag was a flounder, you need to make sure that your line is crossing every it. single location it. It. You can't just hit it one, two, and go because that <laughs> flounder could be here. He's not going to see that lure over there. They're very zoned in on their absolute super location. So, and and when we when we talk about okay, that's
3: the type of habitat that I'm going to be looking for for my flounder. Now, I need to find a redfish. Uh, so look. Looking for grass and all that is good and that's uh, absolutely is your summertime pattern. You want to look for for grasses in the summer. You want to look for water that's clean enough that you can see them. you stand up you watch them tail. Uh, We have some excellent anglers that are just masters at sight fishing. Uh, Jonathan, uh, uh, you just taught me so much about sight fishing just for with a few questions so ask people who are good at sight fishing and they'll always give you some tips. But the thing is Uh, in the winter, you're not always gonna be able to do the same things that you do in the summer. And this is key. Oysters uh, can be the thing this time of year. You have an oyster patch that's off the bank, that is where I'm gonna be targeting redfish if I don't see one. If I'm looking around and I'm not seeing them, I'm gonna look for oysters. Places where I think oyster beds are gonna be, I'm gonna throw a lot of jigs because I wanna feel those oysters and when I do, that's going to be the area that those redfish are going to be this time of year. I feel like. Quick question, guys. On the flounder, uh, this time of year,
1: it's it's early March. Are they heading in or are they heading out? And so they're coming in from the Gulf. Um, now I've heard that there's also basically flounder
3: that just don't leave. They're, there they're, are resident flounder. Resident Absolutely. Flounder. See, uh, a, a lot of your, a lot is just like trout. I, there are stories that we hear from a lot of guys in the summer who will catch a five or seven pound trout in the middle of a redfish pond in June or July in the middle of summer, way up in Punishin' or way up in Sulphur Mine or something like that. Places where, oh, well, they migrate, don't they? Some stay back for whatever reason. No, I, I don't know why, but there's just a few. Now, flounder, there are a few that stay behind. Maybe they're males. Uh, maybe the females are gone. Maybe a few big males stay behind. Hey, if I catch a 16-inch, I don't care if it's a female or a male. I just want you yeah, know that's a nice flounder, so I'm bringing it in. So there may be some that stay behind for for that reason. Maybe some are males. Uh, but also, if you have the right habitat, like Lake Calcasieu, we're not fishing Calcasieu for this tournament, but Lake Calcasieu has that little bitty narrow pass. But for whatever reason, a lot of flounder winter in big lake area maybe they spawn in the channel i don't know but they stay in big lake area all winter long a lot of them uh so there may be some areas on 23 where you're gonna find flounder year round and that's great for us hey that's a positive for uh paddlepalooza i think we're gonna have more flounder caught on the 23 corridor this time of year paddlepalooza than we would have on or last year we had uh, zero, zero flounder zero. caught on the L.A. We'll definitely port. have more. <laughs> we will have more than that. We will have more than we have averaged the last four or five years. So I think it's it's a positive. Can, can I ask if
1: you think that they'll be further south, simply because if they're coming in from the Gulf at that point? There are some that
3: stay up north. That's the thing. It's sort of like the Lake Calcashew thing. They, they stay up in that cleaner water by the oysters. I don't know if it's males that stay up there, but there are some flounder that stay way up north. And I think now that is an interesting point that we wanted to talk about. If you're down south and you get some gulf flounder that have already spawned, they spawn offshore, it's unbelievable how far offshore flounder go. There are flounder that go out to 100 foot of water. They'll go 10 miles offshore in the Grand Isle Block. They'll be way out at rigs that are accidentally caught in the winter by commercial fishermen. If those flounder go way out there, they spawn, then they come back in. Can you catch some that are coming back in this time of year? Absolutely. There are They trickle out. When do they go out? They don't all go out in the month of November. First some week go, of December. Some go out earlier. Some go out middle. Some go out later. Some of those early ones coming back in, absolutely. You could catch some around empire that are coming back in, and they could be big females that you want, big
0: 20-inch monster flounder. So, yes, you could catch some coming back in. For years and years, I fished the Highway 1 bridges before I had a kayak. And I would, you know, usually start right as hunting season was ending. Well, before I kayak fished, I did a lot of duck hunting. So duck hunting would wrap up in January, and I'd start fishing in, in February off those bridges. And I and fished really slow because it was cold, and I was trying to catch big trout but I'd also catch a lot of big flounder and they were all seem to be coming in, uh, in that February timeframe, that middle of February, I, I almost always catch a nice flounder when I would go fish off those bridges in February. And it just leads me to believe that they were starting to come in from that, uh, that spawning time when they left in, in December and they kind of come back in, in the middle of February.
3: So. Now,
0: so we've talked about some, some areas,
3: um, and what about the canes uh highway 23 is full of canes yeah i think you can find uh patches along canes that are sweet spots and i still think uh you can absolutely catch all three on canes especially when you get down towards from joshua's on south you got a lot of canes you find the right little spot right little divot yes you can have a flounder laying in there absolutely so um uh the only problem that you may find is that you might have a little dirtier water around some of the canes because they tend to be more facing the open Gulf so whether I think they are weather dependent if you had several days of <clears throat> calm weather going into it you may find fish right pushed up against the canes and they're cleaning up water you you can smoke them
0: so um, uh, fishing around the canes is also p- problematic because you have a lot of canes that are laying down by the canes and if you fish on the bottom you need a fish with something that's very weedless because you're you're asking to hook a piece of cane absolutely or a piece of broken off cane root which is really problematic
3: um let's talk about trout um our favorite fish or some people the master of trout <laughs> <laughs> not so not anymore so <laughs> we have fish for trout. all of us have fish for trout. we love fishing for them i do myself um yeah but to me uh i get more frustrated with trout than anything i'll set up in an area they're on this particular point i've got them figure out i go the next day gone why is that i just don't think we have the numbers of trout that we once did i think they move a lot with boat traffic and boat noise um uh, so it, it, the deal is about trout is I think you need to scout and you need to look for them, but don't get locked in and assume they're going to be exactly there the next day. I can tell you one example. I fished, uh, I fished a lake uh, over by um, uh, the, the Lake Hermitage area, not the lake itself, but I was out west. I had a spot the day before uh fallen tide i had fish just every cast top water i go back there for the tournament and could not buy a fish the fish were a few miles the other direction and everyone was mopping up The fish had just migrated with the tide. The whole, it seemed like the whole biomass of trout had moved in with the tide. And I'm still fishing the same spot. There's that spot mentality. Don't get locked in on a spot. If they're not there, you give it a nice effort and you throw, like I always talk about, throw some topwater. See if you get some, some eager big fish. Throw something in the middle, some suspending baits. Throw some bottom, some jigs. And if you, you know, Uh, If you don't get anything there, give it several casts, work it, and move on. There's a reason you're not catching something. Maybe pass back by it later, but those fish may have moved off. And just keep your mind open that, hey, they may be a couple hundred yards away or they may be a mile away, so I need to start hunting for them. And just slice your area up, use your favorite stuff, top, middle, bottom, and then move on. So trout can move Faster than the other two, the other two sort of stay in an area and they, they lock into an area and it's, you know, mm-hmm. if, you're, if your wind is good and, and your water's clear enough and all of these conditions are just right, your redfish should pretty much stay in those areas. Your flounder really will stay in those areas because the flounder's not going to move a whole lot around. If he's got a good ditch he likes, he's going to stay there. But your trout, man, those things are mobile. I mean, they just boom, boom, they move all over. So keep an open mind on trout. As far as lures, Brendan's a master. i got a couple of techniques, but uh, Brendan can tell you a lot of good information on trout.
0: Um, this this uh, March time of year, I really like to fish windblown banks. Um, you're talking about a lot of pogies that are this big or little brown shrimp, and those little tiny creatures kind of get thrown with the wind. They have no way to fight against that current they can literally just pile up by the thousands against some of these wind blown bank positions. Use that wind. It's a tournament day. There's probably going to be some wind. So, so uh, yeah, you know, utilize, a, that, a utilize that to your favor and, and Ooh. don't get worried about that being so dirty. It's, it's helpful if you can find a cleaner bank that's wind blown. but always fish those windblown banks, especially if it's like a big wide bay, That eventually can gather all that bait, that bait in that bay and push it against one little area especially if that looks like a a fishy area a place that you've caught fish before throw some top waters against that windblown bank with all that chop in it throw some some plastics and let it sink down in there i've had times in in march where i went against a windblown bank that i fished the whole rest of the pond on the calm side did nothing went to the windblown bank and was literally catching them every cast and it's just it's really fun when you can hit it like that and it makes so much sense when you get over there you see the bait you catch the fish you you bring it to the cleaning station you open it up and it's just spilling out with little pogies and little brown shrimp and it just it kind of works so always look for those windblown banks this time of year.
1: we had that uh trout tournament down in saint Bernard in march trout challenge a few years back um and we were fishing an area there was no trout we went like 100 yards 200 yards to an area where the wind was blowing against the bank and it was four or five of us and it was almost every cast was was a trout and we caught three and four pounders out there on top water yeah. under cork, but they were only against that wind blown bank as soon as you got into the protected area where it looked
3: really beautiful mm-hmm. and yeah. calm mm-hmm. where you thought hey, it is a great place yeah. nothing yeah. right and that's a good point, Sean, where you got to make that adjustment quick. If, you, if you're you on an area and, hey, I've caught them here before, that does not mean they're going to be there. Those things, will, those dudes will circle around. They may be on the you know, complete opposite side, a couple hundred yards away, doing something else. So, uh, so be mobile, move around. And, uh, you know, I mean, there are days when there's – There's some strategies that where you can get into an area and you can lock yourself in and that will absolutely win things. It'll win championships. It'll win. It'll win a lot of of tournaments over time. Uh, You you always see a guy who, who is going to get into an area and really methodically just do it right and make every decision right. But you know, that doesn't always work, and neither does running and gunning. So you have to make that decision, and you have, to, you have to assess where you're at and fish your area and to make that decision yourself. Do you want to stay there and wait for them, or do you want to move around and move around and hunt for them? And sometimes working really hard pays off. And, uh, and, and so there is no magic formula. One thing works for one guy. Something else works for another guy. And it just depends on the weather, the conditions, and everything. And that's why there's no perfect formula for for fishing or for golf or for anything like that. It's just you go out, and that's why it's fun. We don't have the perfect formula, but uh, working hard to me has been my, my uh, part of my success. Is I just go and I, I hit my top, middle, bottom. Okay, they're not here. Move to the
0: next spot, top, middle, bottom. Move on. Just you know, I just have that mindset, and don't get stressed out if if you haven't caught a fish and you and you've caught them in the past where you're fishing very slow, and methodically, and then all of a sudden you get frustrated on tournament day and you just start, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> And you just start like getting angry. I mean, that is that is going to just sink you. <laughs> I yeah, mean, yeah. So uh, just so kind of. Or
2: pork, or yeah. So, right. Uh, calm calm down.
0: Take right. out your lunch, you know, reassess yeah. the situation count to ten or whatever you need to do is just kind of calm your nerves i love seeing guys fishing different techniques
3: who are successful and like you'll see this really nice stringer come in and it is caught up with something completely different in a completely different area than the next guy when and they're just neck and neck and it's just enjoyable to see that with our sport so it can be done many different ways uh but uh yeah, preparation that's another part of it though this guy who fishes this way in this area and this guy who fishes something completely different there's a common denominator i feel like who, with guys who are successful preparation i don't want it, i don't want to show up with my with my old line on my reels look i'm spending a lot of money to fish a tournament And if I'm going to show up to the tournament and I don't put five dollars worth of line on my reel, and I'm fighting it all day long, that's I have I've (laughs) set myself up for failure. So make your set yourself up for success. Go through your stuff, get it properly, all your reels right, get everything right. When you go out there on the water, you're not going to fight all your equipment. That is uh, that is the one thing that. Is going to sink more people than anything else. Is fighting with their equipment. You want your equipment to work for you, not against you. I hey think. Guys,
1: oh, we have a question um, on Facebook. Someone wants to know the, the water depth yeah. this time of year uh, that you can be fishing in for flounder or trout.
0: Um, I would say that it, <laughs> the day that it's going to matter the temperature and like the preceding three or four days of temperature before that. But I would say that you know. Three feet ish is yeah. going to be, you know, mm. where I'm going to be fishing most of my day. You do, know, do the flounder tend to go deep like trout will when it gets cold? I mean, I, I, I would, I will catch flounder uh, in March this time of year. Like, if I find like a sponge marsh where like there's there's lots of little clumps of grass, and it's like where you can like literally get in there and just kind of. You know move your rod around or like if you find like a structure of uh you know pilings and 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 bulkheads and you can just kind of literally take your kayak around and kind of cane pole and drop all the little spots same thing with marsh you know you you have some of these places where you get in and it's shallow but you i like to find the marsh that has the steeper uh, banks against the grass if that makes sense you know you have some marsh where you get to and it's like the mud is right. almost coming out of the grass. And then you have some marsh where it's almost on a little pillar, you know, and there's like these kind of little deep little holes, and you can just kind of jig around there. And I, I kind of have learned areas over the decades of fishing that I'm just kind of like, okay, that's a, a good steep kind of marsh area, and I can fish that. You
3: know, the, the biggest thing to me is uh, the, that relationship between shallow and deep water when, a, when you have a front come in and it drains your marsh, those fish have to have an exit. And if you have a deep water area nearby, those, those, those little ditches, those little areas that are near deep water, to me, are going to be the most successful in your fish that don't travel far. Uh, your flounder aren't going to travel far, but they're going to they're gonna move off your, uh, your, your edges off of a drop-off. But those fish are almost uncatchable. I mean you when when these fish move up to feed that's when they're catchable uh and and your redfish the redfish they'll drop off and whenever that uh you have that warmer weather and that sun hits those oyster patches they'll move up shallow now i don't find as many redfish super shallow like i do in the summer this time of year i just find them out where they're almost out of sight or can't see them at all but i know the oysters are there so I think the relationship to deep water is what's important.
0: Cold we're, water, we're super, top, super cold trout. They Steve was deep. talking about preparation and it just made me think back. We, we shared a, a, a room at uh, Worlds and every night we would get back and we would have to sit there and tie with FG knots probably for two hours. It was crazy. crazy. We would like take all of our poles, get all this 80-pound floral and just sit there. And just tug with with the line in our teeth and retie all of our rods, FG knots like all night. Just because I mean you're you're there, and and I think it was like five days in a row. Right. It was. I mean, you don't want to make a mistake.
3: You don't want to lose a fish because you didn't you didn't have your tackle prepared. And uh, so we went. You know, we we put the maximum effort into tackle preparation. We spent months ahead of time thinking about what lures we could bring. Uh, the right line, the right everything, and um, <clears throat> and that's what you. I think if you just have that mindset that I'm going to prepare all my tackle. Hey, if I'm casting in my front yard, you know, people know. Um, hey, he's an angler. He's a fisherman. He may be crazy, but he's out there casting his stuff in his front yard. But he might be ready. You know, I mean, I I will cast stuff in the front yard and make sure it's right. I'm going to test it out. I'm going to put longer leaders on, if I'm going to use braid to a leader, I'm going to use a longer leader so that I'm thinking about the day. I'm not going to use a three-foot leader. I'm going to use a long leader so that, hey, I'm cutting off a foot here. I had a nick. I'm going to cut off some more, cut off some more so that I maximize my time on the water. I'm not having to uh, retie a leader on there. So those are the kind of things that I do. Your leader should almost go right from From when you're
0: got a good hook keeper. So whenever you're, this is a short leader because I've had to cut it. So basically if you have your, your lure at casting length off the tip, your leader should almost go right before it wants to wind into the reel. So like you have that whole length of leader. So throughout the day you can get it to where it might be about here at the end of the day, after you've changed a few lures, you want to start with a really long leader. Carry lots of different sizes of leaders depending on
3: what species it is. Well, yeah, now some people, yeah, some people do, like Johnson said, some people use straight braid. Uh, wrong with that? there's what? nothing wrong with that, uh, especially when you're targeting just redfish. Um, if you're in those situations where you do find some clean water, um, and it may make a difference on a, on a big, nice trout bite, so uh. That's all about that whole how particular are you uh, with your equipment? Uh, me, I'm gonna throw a leader if I'm throwing trout. I, I just I think their eyesight is very good. I feel like I get more bites. Flounder, um, I still throw a leader. Uh, contrary to uh, I think what a lot of people uh, think, uh, they think the braid is more abrasion resistant but braid cuts very easy. If you put a piece of fluorocarbon leader on, it is much more difficult to cut. You can take it and rub it against something and then rub a piece of 20 pound or 30 pound braid. I'm talking lighter braid, you know, not the 65, but uh, you, you, you push some lighter braid against a piece of anything metal and it just cuts really easy. Whereas your fluorocarbon is super hard to cut. So I'm gonna use that for flounder. That is my setup. I'm gonna use at least 20 pound leader and I'm gonna use, uh, tie that to a 20 or 30 pound braid, and I feel like I get more bites. There are people, again, a variety of methods. There are people uh, that use straight mono and are extremely successful with it, really good anglers. So one thing may work for one guy. Uh, I think it stretches too much for me. If I make a nice 40, 50 foot cast and something hits, you know, you have to
0: really pull back
3: to really try to bow the rod over. Or when my daughter was about 10 years old, I had her go way out there in the yard and hold my line. I had some mono on and I pulled it. And I said, You got it? She says, Yeah. I pull it harder. I said, Is it, am I going to pull it out of your hand? She says, No, you're hardly pulling at all. <laughs> and I pull really, really hard. And she says, Okay, I still got it. You can't pull it out of my hand. So, but you put braid on there, and it's a different story. So, uh, you just set your tackle up for the right lure, the right situation. I feel like you're more successful if you're working the top water
0: all day with mono. I think you probably have to move your your rod a bit <laughs> far each time. And if you have braid, you just kind of have to, yeah, you know, twitch it, yeah. So uh, So,
3: so uh, after we have. Um, uh, We have some, I have a couple lures in here, and I have some (laughs) braid, I have some mono, and I can tie up some different knots. If anybody would like to see them, uh, feel free. But
0: uh, talking about, let's um, talk about the spots. Okay, spots.
3: All right. Where (laughs) to go?
0: So when you think about Highway 23, and and the question was asked earlier, like, do flounder come in, uh, you know, towards the gulf? 23 is is quite different from highway one highway one definitely has a coastline and definitely has like a a distance from the coastline you can measure you can you can say uh, basins or 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 gators or whatever we call it and that would be the furthest spot from the coast and then 23 is a different animal i mean there's you can you have the fresh water of the river that might make that less salty you have empire to the gulf you have venice to the gulf you have the river the Birdfoot. very complicated it's not easily understandable and i'm not going to even try to explain it like i think i know anything so it's 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 totally different yeah it
3: it, weather it's more weather dependent i feel like than than highway one um if you have the wrong wind over there it just can muddy the whole area up uh, it is relatively shallow from end to end. You have the river silt there. And when you do get a little bit of wind, uh, it can make it more muddy than anything we're even used to on LA-1. It can be one inch of visibility in the wrong area. So for that reason, that's why it's important to, uh, uh, to have a variety of areas to go to. And, and species, let's say you do catch one or two of the species in that dirtier water, uh, and you need that, that third fish. Well, let's say it's a redfish. You ha- let's say you've caught a trout, you caught a flounder down there at Joshua's. Great area. You're always gonna have a chance at, at Joshua's to catch all three. It's just such a good area right next to the Gulf, but it is weather dependent. If you have bad weather, you know, it, it muddies up fast. You can fish right there in the cove, right by Joshua's and and catch the entire slam but if you only catch two of the fish and you have to make a decision hey I need that redfish man if you go up north there's spots where you can stop depending on how much time you have you can go up and you can pull into the high school but the problem is you may have to travel quite a ways to get to some ponds Mm -hmm. or something and maybe somebody else isn't in already you have Grand Bayou Road is an excellent choice you can go to Grand Bayou Road and you can hit some ponds that are really close by that is a, a a a spot where you might be able to get that redfish you're off you're near a main channel a lot of oysters a lot of ponds off of it you may be able to get a redfish there or a flounder it's an excellent place for flounder and then as you move up north you have lake hermitage of course which just is not just the lake that place has just so many different directions to go and uh depending what species you need, some air, some directions are way better than just, hey, I'm gonna go to the lake. But Hey, sometimes the, the lake has already been fished 10 times on the close banks. But you may go the other direction and find a pond no one's been in, and boom, eight pound red. So, uh, and then you've got Myrtle Grove last. Now, uh, uh, talking about each area, Brendan, do you have any, uh, Myrtle Grove is, is
0: really like a good winter trout fishery. It's 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 the dead end canal kind of fishery. Uh, it holds water early winter that's a lot warmer than the surrounding um, water temperatures, so that it kind of stacks up with trout. This uh, for for our tournaments, I wouldn't go to Myrtle Grove looking for trout. Um, it's it's really a wintertime fishery for trout. It's really great for uh, redfish. Uh, you have to paddle a ways out to get to the uh, ponds because you're basically paddling through all the camps until you get to the ponds and then you're you know, taking a left or taking a right or, or, or going over there. A lot of, somewhat of a concern about uh, private land, property owners kicking you out. So it might be a wasted trip. You might go there and you might just get the day where somebody's kind of real being you know, finicky about their property. And, and boot you out and there's nothing really you can do um it's kind of the daily struggle that we all have fishing louisiana we all know the places that are are more likely to 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 get you know somebody angry at us and you know there's not that many signs out there though right now right after the hurricane so what about further
1: south for the trout when you're heading towards yellow cotton bay and empire well yeah we're going to progress down okay so
0: so that's just touching on myrtle grove i would say that's a great great redfish area lots of aquatic grass lots of nice ponds
3: and because of the timing of the tournament myrtle grove really comes into play it might be a good place especially if we have a lot of weather a lot of wind where you can launch pre-tournament because you can launch early this tournament uh 12 midnight Yes, okay. all right not that i'm going to launch at 12 midnight but hey if you want to go ahead if you want to launch at five in the morning and get do all that paddling pre-cast before it's uh, legal casting time myrtle grove is an ideal place where you can cover that water get into an area and as soon as you can start to see if you can catch that redfish early you may catch a flounder right off that little channel And you may come back to the marina and catch a smaller trout. I've never caught any giant trout or myrtle grove in the last couple of years. Years ago, there used to be four pounders there. So there may still be some larger fish there, but typically they're a little bit on the smaller side, but hey, guess what? You just might've caught a slam. Then you might have the rest of the day to upgrade. And then, as you go down the coast, um, are there any spots uh, like like Bayou Log Cabins? Yeah, Log Cabins.
0: So, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the club tournaments have been out of Bayou Log Cabins or the Lake Hermitage area. Championship. Championship. It's it's a it's a wonderful location. It's got big open bays that are, you know, bigger than bays. And then there's, you know, nice deep canals. There's nice redfish ponds. There's there's, there's grass, but you got to find it. There's uh, oysters, but they're scattered. Uh, you know, a lot, of the, a lot of the land has changed. I mean, I think when we went to championship last time, like half of the, the land was deposited in the middle in of the, the lake. lake. So, <laughs> Islands. So uh, it's, it's weird to see all that change where you used to go, you know, a, around a smooth lake. Uh, shoreline with scattered shells and a, a nice hard bank to fish and now it's you're going through kind of a, a sponge-like marsh system that's different um so you kind of have to relearn it so that, that's fun but you know it's uh we have a constantly changing estuary here in louisiana uh you know by the time y'all are taking your your kids or your grandkids it's going to be different it's just that's right um it's a great place to catch all three, I think, and I think it's it one is. of the
1: best places to right. catch all three. So, Ian uh, Gillespie has a question: If you had to pick one bait to throw for a chance to catch all three species, what would it be? For this time of year, plastic, jig, yeah, plastic. Yeah. Okay, a lot
0: of <laughs> <popcorn>. Yeah, <laughs> shrimp-colored plastic. Shrimp, shrimp-colored plastic. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it's, it's going to be brown shrimp palooza. I mean, it's. I don't know this this time of year i mean all the fish are eating those little brown shrimp and
3: and and, you know we we look at uh uh, the uh the shrimp creole color the clear clear style baits you know you can do really well on those baits on 23 and relatively medium to clean water it doesn't have to be perfectly clean you think well i've got to throw something super bright you don't have to on 23. you you really can catch a lot. It's surprising how many fish you can catch on a relatively clear bait. The sharp creole works good. That just comes to mind.
0: One of my early fishing trips, I was fishing pitch black at night. I used to fish a lot at night. And uh, I was going out with kind of a smoky clear, uh, you know, basically a clear. I mean, if you, if you held it in your hand, you would notice it kind of, but not much. I was throwing that in the pitch black. I was catching trout about every 10 casts. I mean, They could see this thing in the dark the water wasn't particularly clean Uh, i think fish can see a lot better than we give them credit for right Uh, i
3: like um i've always liked grand body road um i've always liked it because i felt like i could catch all three there i have fished it for fall and tide because what i would do is launch and that's another place where you can do the traveling before it's catching time get to an area, maybe you scouted a pond or something and get that early redfish and get that guy out of the way. And then, um, I find that a springtime bite, uh, you do have a really nice morning bite, but a lot of times you have a much later trout bite. So a lot of times I will try to target a redfish early. And then, uh, if, uh, if, if my trout aren't cooperating, or I pass by a trout area and they're just not not active or whatever, go get that redfish. And sometimes the redfish are more active in the morning, and the trout are more active in the afternoon. So uh, don't get too hung up on one species where you're going to sit there all day and waste too much time. Think more of. Uh, I like to think more of trout in the afternoon, especially if it's a cool day. Now again, it's front dependent. Uh, if you have a string of perfect weather, that morning bite is absolutely going to be great for uh, for trout and redfish. What about flounder? Flounder are just current. You you really need to look at the tide. I just feel like uh, when is my when is my falling tide? That is when I'm going to be looking for my flounder. If I got a falling tide sometime during that day, I want to catch that water coming out of something because here's the thing about flounder if they find a nice little mud bottom they'll they'll push in they'll get that mud over them and they 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 are completely covered and and they're just not even feeding can't see anything don't care and then when the tide starts moving over them again then they pop out and they're ready to they'll do that swimming thing and they'll start attacking stuff so there are times when you can't make a flounder bite you know so uh, and that those times to me would be real, real slow water or, or, or slack tides. Slack tides are also a good time to travel. If you have a slack tide, you're in an area, all right, everything's shut down. I've got one or two of the fish. Uh, let's go. Let's find your slack tide during the day and, and strategize it so that hey, I'm going to travel during that slack time. I'm gonna... giving away too many good hits.
0: No, well, that's a good one, though. I know it's a really good
2: hint
3: travel during that slack time and then wait till that tide starts falling to answer your question that's what i'm looking for the finder. if it's not going to fall all day then i'm just going to try to get lucky and just blow by everything that's got a little bit of moving
0: water Uh, so further down would be uh you know basically between uh port sulfur and and uh lake hermitage you have all those kind of small really thick uh, marsh areas, you know, Magnolia, um, Grand Bayou Road, Happy Jacks, they're all kind of the same kind of estuary system, that, that whole Grand Bayou branch estuary that is, you know, if you look on the map, it's, it's really one of the best places to get protected. If you uh, have a really windy day, you want to find some clean water, that's probably the area with the most aquatic grass. you can really get in there. Uh, in March, I think you can really find marsh trout in there still. There's still going to be some nice fish in the marsh acting like redfish this time of year, uh, especially if you get in there uh, early before both are going through it. You know, they kind of get skittish, you know, towards the end of the day unless they've been left alone in an area. That's to say, I've also caught my biggest uh, trout this time of year at Palooza, probably at like 2 o'clock, 1 o'clock. I think one time me and Devin were fishing, and and he saw me catch two, like, four-pounders, like, back-to-back, back. and it was, like, at 1.30. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, you never know. So yep. throwing porkies in the afternoon on a sunny day in March. So I like yeah. March paddle paloozas. I'm really going to be, like Steve said, targeting uh, trout in the morning and in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. I think – I think it's a fish that can give you some weight comparatively to some of the other fish catch that nice, you know, Gator. seven, seven, eight pound red, just call it a day. If you get one to six and a half, call it a day, you know, move on. I mean, if, if you're in reds, every cast, sure. Catch the perfect red, but I don't think, you know, you, you want the three pound trout if you can. <clears throat> yeah. It's not worth That's spending... so much better
3: all day
0: on any one of the three species
3: unless you just feel like you want to win that category and if you have something really special going on and you're into some eight pound reds uh yeah it is absolutely and if that's what you want to do it's absolutely worth it to try to get the biggest one you can to try to win a category fish winning a category fish is harder than it looks because there's always a guy who brings one in this eighth half you know say well i thought i had the biggest one and it happens What well, what
2: would be y'all's target size for each of the species y'all mentioned that earlier how do you how once do you i this the, 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 the
0: fish that like i get and i call it quits yeah right uh any flounder <laughs> 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 let's start with that any legal flounder um i mean at fall tide this year the flounder fishing was so good i literally caught one flounder and then two casts later i had another flounder so it may be stopping flounder fish for a while Just in case there was a bigger one, there wasn't. They were all the same size, but I I quickly moved on once I left that spot. And I had a a few flounders. Like, "Eh, I'm not going to waste time on flounder. I'm going to go try to catch other fish. Um, Red. I I mean, I'm not as, and this is probably Matt Keeley's heel as a as a slam fisherman is. I always like quit once I get like a six pound red, and like I'm going fish for trout. So like 24 plus 24 inch. 25.
3: So because if you look uh, historically, uh, <coughs> how many of these things have been won with 11-something, you know, uh, somewhere up in there, it, it doesn't always take the giant slam. Some years it does, but uh, but man, just a, a third-place finish in this tournament uh, with, with six or seven pound total, it has happened so many so
1: times. Many times.
3: So man, if you got two of the fish, move on. If they're decent size, just
0: move on. Pick, I mean, pick and, your your most confident way to get to nine pounds. Yeah, and if it's plus or minus a little bit, so let the cards lay. But I mean, just if you can pick, like divide nine pounds by what you think it's going to take. Try to push for that, and that's kind of what I always kind of go for. So, oh, because all of you
3: guys are here, I think I feel like everyone's interested in trying to trying to do things to uh, increase their success. But there's a lot of people who are gonna give up about halfway in the day, and you guys just keep pushing on, and your chances just keep going up. You, know, you just stay with it, and you're, and you're gonna have a much better chance than even some of the good anglers who have given up. And there will be good anglers who just are in their truck whining about their tackle they the reel the backlash because they didn't change their line
0: a redfish caught in the morning is going to shrink a lot more than a redfish caught right before it's time to go to the weigh in you know you can probably have a redfish shrink at least a half an inch on a warm day uh, you know March you know I would probably say if you have most of the day I would say guaranteed quarter quarter you know so if you catch a you know 27 or a quarter keep it yeah it, especially yeah. if it's before 10.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. absolutely um does anybody want to talk about any uh any types of lures uh wait wait you want to keep going to this box? yeah let's do, so so that's right we didn't finish port sulfer you're, you're a port sulfer guy yeah i've been to port sulfer many times uh you can go all kind of directions port sulfer you can go right there in the pond right by the launch and there is lots of trout that are caught there um Albeit, not always Giants, but it doesn't take... One of my friends finished third in this tournament.
0: uh, Didn't leave that pond. Didn't leave that pond. Everything was right there. I don't know if it's the same friend, but I've had a friend that's also done that in that pond. Yeah. So there are
3: spots that are right there. Now, as you travel around that area, there's there's ponds that are right around just a, a mile away or something. Very reachable with any kayak. A paddler someone who's got a a good good hobie, you know, the pedal kind of hobies that that you can really go a long ways, a long
0: ways, like that. Yeah, one of those. Just in case you viewers out there don't know what we're talking about. (laughs) So
3: so I towed a guy this weekend uh, paddling. The wind came up. Uh, He was a, uh, three years ago, was playing NCAA baseball. True story, this was Saturday. Uh, really good kid, really tried hard, caught a few nice fish, but couldn't get in. I grabbed the front of him, and I towed him in with the Hobie. So uh, you can just travel so far, uh, but but it, it really is um, a game changer. It was a, a equipment, equipment. <laughs> Will make a big difference. Now, what other equipment is out there? We make, uh, we joke around about it, but there's a lot of other equipment out there that works for you, works for different people. Uh, So do your homework and see what works for you. If it's fish finders, if it's power poles, if it's whatever, it may, those are all tools. But uh, uh, so, port sulfur, Um, I digress. So, there was a time when we had an IFA uh, tournament. I fished Port Sulphur because I had to, it wasn't by choice. I launched there and I said, well, I'm gonna make the best side of this situation. And I, I hit the Freeport Canal and I go down it and I hit the first major area off to the right that had a little bit of depth and I found where this intersection was. It was in the spring, it was this time of year. The reason why I bring it up is because it was exactly when this tournament is happening. Not the cleanest water, but I was throwing a little bitty shrimp imitation bait, one inch long, under a popping torque, because I just didn't think I could catch them with anything else. Caught a 19 inch trowel. Very surprising, but um, so there are some nicer trout. There used to be plenty of three and four pounders there, and, and there may be some that are there, especially with your top waters and things like that. But you have the opportunity in those main channels, on those edges, for flounder, especially where you see an old pipeline canal. You, If you fish the ends of those old pipeline canals, uh, right where they meet a bay or something, excellent area for flounder. Um, and then a lot of people will go around the corner to the left or go, uh, I guess sort of Southeast to the left, instead of going, right, you can go left. There's a pile of rocks around the corner. There a lot of people fish there and have had success catching, you know, redfish and flounder along those rocks. So there, Fort Sulphur is full of areas. It is just drifting the oyster flats, The oyster flats out in the middle of that bay. Sometimes I know a guy who caught a flounder dragging plastic while he was fishing, dragging a plastic just across a wide open area and caught a really nice flounder. So um, that's another good tip too. If you want to drag a second lure behind, if it's is it legal to to do too? Yeah, so you can drag a second lure behind in the right situation. If you're doing you're fishing slow, all right, this is a good opportunity. Throw something behind you, let it pull. And you might pick up a second, uh, you know, or third fish that you need.
2: Especially
3: the Excellent point, Chris. Uh, if you do want to bring live bait, I suggest a kale hook. You're going to have less uh, chance to get it hung up, uh, or even a circle hook. The problem is. You know, you will catch them on a, a small circle hook, too, but you and you're not going to get hung up. You can throw a little small circle hook out with a caco on it and drag it behind in the worst oysters you can possibly find, and it will not get hung up. Kale hook, get hung up some, but don't use a j-hook. You're going to hang up and be frustrated.
0: If your caco gets hung up with a circle hook, send your letters to Steve at P.O. Box. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next two spots are Empire and Joshua's. Basically... Uh, they're kind of wide the open. middle of Highway 23, the wide open areas that are right south of Port Sulphur. If you look in the map, you got all this really uh, kind of tight marsh. And then you get to Bay Adams and it's just open. And there's a few islands out there. There's a lot of oysters out there. It's probably the number one oyster producing area in the state. Um, you can see those poles out there. They mark the boundaries of oyster fields. Uh, those are great places to drift uh and fish for trout uh there's lots of riprap that lines the few islands and shorelines that are out there because it gets so much wave action because it's basically out in the open it stays really clean that's a really good thing about it because there's not a lot of dirt out there it's all oysters so if you have uh if you don't mind paddling in big water and you want some clean water you can go out to those locations uh, some of the areas out of Joshua's have those nice uh, kind of big uh, areas of marsh that are away from the shoreline. Those are getting smaller and smaller every year, but there's some nice redfish in those ponds that are out there. Uh, the shoreline is kind of getting devastated, and then they fix it, and then it gets devastated again, but there's a lot of uh, kind of uh, marsh structures that they put out there, There's pipes and and you can fish in the harbor right there at joshua's and do and do really well i've caught flounder in the harbor i've caught redfish in the harbor i've caught trout in the harbor not all three in one year but i've caught all my fish there before at some point or another um it's a great fishery yeah
3: i, I tell you though when i first started kayaking my very first tournament i did was uh uh one of these two the bigger tournaments was fall and tide and I went out of Joshua's, went over to that big Pomodoro Island area, I went on the backside of it, and I found one little spot. It's gone now, he wrote it in, but it was just basically a cut in a small pond. I went right there, and it was the first time ever in my life that I'd caught 12 nice keeper redfish, not rat reds, 12 nice, I was measuring them. In a row, I was like a dozen redfish in a row, every cast I caught one, brought them in on a spoon, and um, uh, so I just always remember that. And uh, so the variety over there is, is, is unbelievable. If you, if, you, if you know that area and you put some time into the Joshua's area, it, it, it has been one there more times than anywhere up and down the Highway 23 corridor. Uh, a major tournament has been one out of Joshua's.
0: And the next area would be the Yellow Cotton Bay Launch uh that's what's the, what's the street the name? pumping
3: station down there uh Dubek
0: Pump's Dubek, Dubek, yeah Dubek Dubek Pump Dubek, Road, yeah. and uh there's an honor box there you, you you know put your 10 bucks in the in the uh box and you launch and there's a long canal to get out there if you stay at what is it yellow cotton yellow the cabins cotton, if you stay at the yellow cotton bay cabins you can launch on their little bridge right into bay karen crow uh, if you don't want to paddle down the uh, canal, but the canal is great. I've caught a lot of fish in that canal. Uh, there's the great thing about that area, I would say, is it's got the most rozo cane to fish yeah. out of any of the spots. There's a lot of open water, just like Empire and Joshua's, but the few banks that they do have have a lot of nice cane to fish. Mm-hmm. A lot and, of variety there, yeah, a lot of variety. Yeah,
2: there's grass,
0: there's open. Yeah.
3: Uh, and, and lastly down the road you have uh, the off-the-road stuff on the old uh, Tidewater Road um, uh, There have been years where uh, some adventurous anglers have tried going down the river some of the river channels and all I don't recommend that I've wasted a lot of time doing that uh, Crew boats will come by and just about kill you over there. So uh, not really worth it We're trying to do we're trying to have fun not getting uh, ourselves in a real bad situation they they run these airboats now and you know they, they didn't do this years ago but now they run these airboats one after another right off the canes so you're you're trying to stay out of the boat lanes and an airboat comes around the corner and and will tag you so i would avoid that but on the tidewater road area on that rock there that bay out there has uh has had some beautiful redfish has actually had the largest trout in fall and tide one year, and the winning <laughs> fall and tide stringer came right there, uh, right out along those canes there in that bay, and uh, uh, where all the cypress trees are. No, uh, on the left, on the uh, along the edges of okay. that uh, rozo cane over there, on the left south side. Um, but you have redfish there, and you absolutely have flounder uh, along that road. You have them along those canes, so. Hey, I mean, uh, I know they did some work down there, and they kind of blocked some of it in. That may have helped to clean it up. I don't know. So, you know, there's uh, that might be worth investigating. But from end to end, Highway 23, I, I would say is more weather dependent, but it has a potential for really nice flounder and heavier reds. And uh, hey, I mean, really bigger stringers come out of 23 than L.A. 1 uh, on
0: average. So, uh, yeah, I think our slam record is uh, maybe uh, 13 and a half pounds before they added the bonus bow, uh down that way. So mm-hmm. um, pretty impressive stringer. So, so thoughts on the
2: changes to the east side and is it inbound?
0: Uh, yeah, east, east side is inbound, like, yeah. I think. Um, there's
2: a lot more diversion.
0: There's a lot more fresh water. There's a lot of bass and, and you know, vegetation on that side and you're kind of getting choked up in some of those ponds piling out but the redfish can be really heavy a lot of alligators a lot it of works. alligators over there yeah i
3: know big about five all- years ago it was really mm-hmm. a good play because uh, you could catch a, a a really good red the right redfish over there but uh these days i don't know i mean i, I just feel like they've they run so much fresh water through there
0: the, your the big mardi gras cut i just don't think it's worth it it's a lot of kind Shells? of com- a lot of combat launches yeah. where you're like parking Bachelors, on the road and pack. you're dragging, yeah, 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 dragging yeah. over the levee. Yeah, Vetchel's
3: and that pumping station down there are the main two
0: I can think of. Uh, there, what's that like? Uh, four horsemen drag over area and yeah, you know, where that camp road is. Uh, there's, if you look on the satellite, you can kind of see these kind of canals that come up to the levee. you basically park on the levee put your wheels on your kayak and kind of roll over i guess
2: my question was really do you think there's any opportunity to catch
0: trout over there this time of year i i wouldn't i mean i wouldn't make a paddle out to like first second third bay or something like that unless you scouted it first all right i I would i would make sure that you have some salty water over there before
3: we fished a redfish tournament over there and uh and throw in a you know, uh, a spinnerbait with a gold blade on it, and trying to catch a redfish in dirty water—boom! Hit a big trout. I mean, just out of the blue. So it might be an out of the blue trout, but I don't think it's uh, worth the time to focus on them. But if I, if I was there, you know, I would uh, maybe go for an upgrade if I've already caught the big red. But
0: uh, the only reason I would go there is for the red. I mean, redio has some of the biggest trout in in the March. So yeah, the no, redio is excellent. It's It could be a situation like that if the right water was in it Mm -hmm. but you'd have to really see beforehand
3: all right well does anybody have any questions uh on any anything we can help with just feel free to speak up or where
2: does brendan catch his big trout
0: Uh, i like to fish uh over oysters with corkies i think the question was where (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can you can you can try to follow me out of the parking lot. Be <laughs> yes, uh, I mean, lots Probably of different can. locations, but uh, usually uh, somewhere between uh, a far paddle and a far paddle. Early March, there's um
1: <laughs> there'll be some some big trout out there. You think?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's all dependent upon the where I fish the river level. So I mean if you, I like to look at those satellite images before I go fishing. Like you can kind of like get the bird foot, and you see like that big dirt wad kind of coming out. And if you see sometimes there's a little clear pocket, and you're like, okay, I'll go fish in here. And then sometimes you just see it's like brown, like all the way up to Port Sulphur, and you're like, all right, I'm just going fish up in Hermitage for a trout. <laughs> yeah. So weather dependent. More weather dependent than anywhere. Well, weather it's it's River, yeah, yeah. dependent. Keep an eye on the river level. Yep. It's low right now, thankfully. So hopefully we'll uh, right. that keep that so uh, keep that going. And uh, I mean, sometimes you, you, I really like to look at those satellite images because you can have some areas that are just completely dirty, and there be like a pocket of like clean water, and you're like, all the fish are trapped. It's awesome. <laughs> 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 How often do they update those satellite images? On, uh, I mean. It, I think you can pay for some of the nice ones. I just go to the NASA one and you just kinda zoom in just and hopefully it's not a day. cloudy day or you like backtrack as many days until it's not a cloudy day. Right. So.
1: Where do you get the five dollar line? <laughs> you said you said
3: five. It's in line, line to Steve's. So. so I haven't bought any in a while, though. maybe <laughs> <laughs> Misspoke in there.
0: <You> he <laughs> means like a third of a spool. Oh, okay. Yeah.
3: You know. Yeah. So About, if you buy three hundred yards <laughs> of braid and it's twenty bucks, divide that by four Phillips.
0: Yeah. He just cuts off the top third of his line and splices. Okay. We'll make this work. So yeah, pretty close, huh?
2: Any other questions, y'all? Yeah, Craft's got one. <laughs> okay,
3: for uh, live shrimp and cockerhos, is there a good place to go other than um, other they buy like Heritage? I don't buy live to bait, eat, so I could not tell Delta, you. Right. Delta, 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 that's right. Yeah, Delta, Delta. Yeah. I don't know. That, uh, what about
1: uh, what about? Freelance, is not Yeah. What you want to do though? is you want to call them? Before, like, so Myrtle Grove usually sells live bait. Um, I love cabins, but that's a trip down that road. Delta sells live bait. Um, maybe down in Venice, some of those uh, arenas. So you, you really want to call them first to make sure they have what you want. If you're
2: going to be there for a
1: few days, bring a cooler and a
2: 110 bubbler and go find them while you're down there before the tournament. And yeah. Keep them alive.
0: Go buy them at the captain's meeting at Delta. Bring them with you, put them in the water where you stay.
2: Yeah, it may be hard to find live shrimp that time of year. Right, at yeah. five o'clock in the morning. Especially but but you morning. <laughs> know, I'm gonna tell you
0: though, if, if <clears> you find <throat> rabbit food,
3: yeah, 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 that's it. But if you find if you can if you downsize and find you a small little shrimp uh, imitation, the little tiny sparkle beetles actually are some of the best little small baits. I mean, they they work really good. It's overlooked, but the little small sparkle beetles are excellent.
2: Yes. Yeah. How just, much you set up for throwing that bait? Yeah. Put
3: a, put a, okay. Put a a, a a little small sparkle beetle, 16 ounce jig head. Two depending on the, the water depth. If you're in three foot of water, go with a two foot leader, an eighteen inch leader, light line, and uh, like fifteen pound. You really don't need the heavy stuff for that. Uh. uh and I actually like. I didn't bring one, but in and if it's calm uh, this is the way i look at it if it's calm i'm not throwing a four horseman core. i'm going to throw that little tiny clip on and i'm gonna just roll it around out I'll, th- I'll toss that little light bait up there if you're you think about it some of the guys who fly fish, is anybody fly fish if you're fly fishing and, you, and you're making that, that that right cast in there and it pops on the water you'll sometimes you'll spook that fish there's a lot of times when you don't want the big goo 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 you know that's gonna spook them there are times when it works great so if it's a little bit calmer I'll put on that little clip-on cork a little tiny small sparkle beetle and I'll pitch it around some areas boom I can't tell you how many times I have caught like a 20 inch trout doing that so don't be afraid to use a smaller lure 15 pound loop knot. I like to throw a loop knot on that so the bait does. It's real free, moves around, and hey, uh, before the bait really gets in uh, in there, you'll see this bait explosion when you hit the right, right, right day. You hit about you know in that was 60 something 70 degrees you'll start seeing see, you'll see little after that you'll see little big schools of pogies little small ones and you'll see the bait progressing like that but before it's there I think we're gonna hit it before the bait explosion and I think we're gonna have uh, a time when they're gonna hit the artificial really well
0: this is this is the uh, east side so a topwater frog
2: a uh...
3: Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, that, uh, that is my answer to before the bait really blows up. They're going to hit artificials better than they do any
0: time of the year. So, uh, don't be afraid to throw plastic after after your trout. I think one of the first times me and Sean went fishing, we were throwing corkies and stuff all day, and caught some nice trout, and then Sean catches. The biggest trial of the day with a uh, a voodoo about a little this big. Small, oh, the voodoo. That's what it was under a popcorn escaping yeah. me. But I was and trying it to was this the name, time of but year the very mm-hmm.
3: st- tiniest little voodoo is deadly before the bait blows up, you know, because they're looking for a little small bait and man, they just crush it. So, uh, other lures that work good, my favorites. Yeah, I like miradines. One of my favorites. Sean knows I like the old miradines.
0: I like spinner baits in, in March. Spinner baits, yeah. It's a little breezy.
3: hmm You get a little, it's just like bass fishing.
0: If anybody been bass fishing
3: lately? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> could be one or two. It could be one or two of us have caught a nine pounder lately. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, it's same kind of thing. It, let's say you find a nice little area with a ripple across it, and. It, a swim bait too. Uh, actually, Brendan has one on, on there. Yeah, I will swim one bait, one. is that Brendan. Yeah, I
0: brought <laughs> one here. <laughs> no, uh, this is, this is, I, I like this one season. because it's really soft <laughs> and it and it collapses around the weedless hook. So that's from uh, tackle warehouse. Tackle warehouse. So here's another example.
3: Also with the little. This is the owner flashy. Yeah, the little flash here. And you have that situation, Jonathan, where you have that little ripple across an uh, area and, hey, I don't see anything. Uh, uh, maybe it's going to be too much trouble to throw and try to cover all this, but I can cover slash, 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 slash with something like this. Cover that water real fast, but I do like a little wind.
1: Steve, can you hold it up a little bit closer to the camera so yep. people can see what we're doing? Absolutely.
3: Here? Yeah. And...
1: And hold it, hold it, yeah, yeah, it's fine. And hold it to the side so they could see how it would run through the water,
3: okay. Oh, like yeah. yeah, yeah, you have your little flashy below, these are good baits to cover
1: water. That was what we had for minimalist, right? get time,
2: that was what it was
1: supposed to, yeah. Oh, so, we actually flashy. had so everybody knows we actually had that ordered and it came in for minimalist after the tournament. Uh, unfortunately, due yeah. to back this time work. of
3: year, your little tiny shrimp imitations, little small shrimp can be deadly. And this, this is. A lot of people will think of this as a small fish bait. This time of year, not necessarily. And then when you have those cold days, that is when these little guys shine. The tsunami? Yeah. Yeah. This style of bait really does well with the cold. If we do happen to have a cold front that comes through and you find a clear, now that's the only thing about these. I don't like throwing them in dirty water. I like to throw these in a medium to a clean water situation deeper i'm not bothering throwing this in shallow water but i know some of my friends swear by them in two foot of water i just like this in a deeper water situation when it's cold i was fishing
1: in happy jack one year uh it was for falling tide, but it was in the fall and um we were fishing a canal not catching anything there was a bank fisherman he had he had one rod he had a uh oyster sack and he was catching trout after trout and just putting him in his oyster sack to, to go in. I was talking to him um, later on. He showed me that he was fishing uh, with, that, with that particular bait, that Tsunami swim bait. Yeah. It mean, was an incredible so bait.
3: They have, a, they have a time when they really shine. I know some people, like uh, Mr. Tommy, he, he likes to use it year-round. And they do work. They work year-round. But I just feel like the time of year when they're the best is when it's cold and you have a little bit deeper water. What Chuck say?
1: He says he won fourteen thousand dollars on that bait last year for the Power Pole Championship. What the tsunami? I I guess the tsunami. Yeah. Okay, we're good. Hey, Chuck
0: knows. I like Um, to use Chicken on the Chain, or what I really like to do is like to do the fourteen karat gold Mama and dip it into the the glow sauce, so it's not quite as bright as Chicken on the Chain, but it's like a subtle version of Chicken on the Chain. So uh,
3: anybody who's a, a red fisherman may have heard from some of the past red fishermen and got advice from them. Like, oh, yeah, when it's wintertime, gold spoon really works good. I find that if you're going to throw something gold like this little spinnerbait here, I do find that they work better in a little bit colder water. And, uh, you know, I was talking about the oysters. It's just almost, I mean, this and a jig, you run these over and you're gonna you have a really good chance of covering and and covering around oysters and then getting one to come up and smack it that the goal i really feel like works good this time of year uh summertime you know maybe not as good i don't feel like you know and i like my crawfish pattern i like my weedless bait uh in uh more of a summer pattern but these may (laughs) come into play uh look tips and tricks if you're gonna hey a lot of people still like the spoon. If you're gonna throw a spoon, um, there's some things that I like to do. I put me a small swivel with a split ring on there, and make it where I don't have line twists. But also, one of my uh, things I got from our bass fishing. I've done this for several years. Um, I actually showed this to Casey, and Casey use has been using this for a long time. When you have those real windy days and you want to throw a small spoon and you feel like it's the right lure for you in that day uh but that wind is just preventing you from you throw it you know how it do want to buzz off 10 feet from your target put you a tungsten weight or bass tungsten weight slide it on your line down and it'll just slide down your line in front of that bait it'll make it cast so much better and it'll still work in the water just the same uh, so put a little tungsten weight that's my sure. tip of the weight what that's like a 3 uh, sixteenths.
0: or so you get small. the lead tape and you just put it on the inside of it if you don't want it to look wonky like it does with a big swivel in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like anti-swivel guy <laughs> but he's a better fisherman than me so uh, listen to him <laughs> I'm sort of maybe
3: so uh, so the swivel on the front I do not think both there's a redfish one bit. I don't think so. we're not we're not trout fishing. Yeah, we're not trout fishing. So uh, you know trout fishing, a natural, yeah, you know, uh, something that has a shrimp, some kind of a profile, a bait fish profile, it just works really well this time of year. That's for our variety. Okay, yeah, so. This is uh, one Brennan of my was, favorites. Brennan was talking about porkies and jerk baits. Jerk so baits we we didn't mention jerk baits a lot, but that's my middle. These are my middle of the water column, guys. So Mirodyne, I typically change the hooks. These are the Gamakatsu makes a new saltwater hook. Cool. Uh, the, These big. are really nice. <laughs> um, the the weight of the wire is good. I, I never have any trouble with them anymore. So I always change my mirror out with these new hooks. Um I think it still falls nice, still has a nice little wobble. Uh, and then you have your jerk baits. They're super sharp. Those exactly. baits are immaculate. Well,
0: well yeah. <laughs> my You're baits my baits
3: look so <laughs> oh, dirty. Everybody asked me, and Doug asks me that all the time. So why do my baits all look so good? Look, okay, let me show you one here. He polishes it. No. <laughs> Dang, I I didn't bring the other one. So this top water is getting tore up So I've obviously used it a bunch got some uh, hook rash on and everything But my hooks have very little rust now. This is a a hook that will rust This is a Gamagatsu hook here. It will rust but it has a little bit on it I use those blue anti rust uh, clips those little pieces and I just drop them in all my trays drop them in everything and then I take my tackle when I'm done I bring my tackle in an air-conditioned, conditioned house in a closet is where I put my stuff. I don't leave it outside uh, in the way. But the, uh, but the little blue tabs help to keep the rust off of your baits. Uh, really does work. What, what about gulp this time of year? This is the time of year when I really don't use a lot of gulp. I find that I have been red fishing before, and they don't bite a gulp any better than a plain plastic. I don't know why. They don't. If they can see it and they're going to eat, they just eat almost any plastic you can present to them, put it right in front of them. That's what I've experienced. I just find when it gets the hotter it gets, the better gulp works. I don't think it's a cold water bait. I mean, I'm going to bring a few. Now, flounder. I'm going to bring them for flounder because... Uh, uh, Flounder is kind of the exception, but for redfish and for trout, you know, uh, I'll bring them again, but it's not my first choice. If you're too lazy to go get the live cockahoes, bring it. Going. <laughs> Another thing that um, Brendan talks about being uh, subtle. Now, this one is a bright bait, bright, bright bait. But there, I, I brought it because just so you can see it well. You can take a lure that you have. Can you show and, it to the camera? A yeah. too, so and too. you can scrape some of the a lot of bass fishermen do this a lot for their top waters. <laughs> what they'll do is they'll scrape the uh the bright paint off and leave it on just one spot towards the head. And uh what that allows the uh, what that's supposed to do is it gives them that target towards the head to strike. But a lot of the bass fishermen take and they'll scrape it down until it's clear and they'll throw that out to your school and bass. Uh, I, I did I brought this one just because it's kind of bright if you take a top water and you can scrape the paint off um, uh, that is something that the bass guys do I think it makes it look more natural I think a brand new shiny top water out the pack uh, doesn't work as as well as that they get beat up I think they work better when they start getting beat up and chewed
0: up for whatever reason one of my good friends in Texas is really amazing at uh, uh, trout tournaments they do these like big catch and release trout tournaments where they go and catch these seven pounders and stuff and it's it's live way in it's awesome uh, he swears by red fingernail polish and making a dot on the bottom of the top waters to give that fish something to like zone in on he has tried different things like where he paints like gills but he wants to give and and y'all seen the top waters where they have like a bright red throat or something but he, he just, like, for whatever reason, the ones he likes don't have that red uh, throat on them. So he, like, paints just like a little circle right in the middle of the belly, Amen. right by that hook.
3: And if you and see, a uh, mirrodyne has that red right on the right on the tip
0: already from the factory. You know, it's a,
3: it's a given. Uh, the tsunami, if you look at the profile on the side, has the red on the head right there. Just a target. I don't know. Seems to work. I just go with it any other questions sean so you like a top water
1: i love a top water but um i don't think i got one top water bite all year i don't know what it was it's crazy i sure. went last saturday
3: i did not get a single top water bite but guess what i did i made the transition and i used the middle <laughs> and the bottom lures and caught a lemon now we went three
1: weeks ago into Leeville, and I was using Meridine, um, I forget what you were using. Jig. Jig, and we were we were catching some really nice trout, you know, 16 mm-hmm. to, to 19, yep. somewhere around there, and we caught a limit between the two of us. Yeah. Nothing on top of water. Nothing on Nothing top of There's a
3: time when they they want to shy away from different lures, and that's why I always say, you go to a nice key area, <clears throat> top, middle, bottom, give them a chance to show you what they want. Alright, guys. <clears throat> Any next uh, questions? No. Listening.
1: No. Thank you. All right. Well, hey, Hey, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Thank you. Steve. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Thank you. We are going to be uh, putting this onto uh, a podcast so that you should be able to uh, access it on um, your app, on the podcast app. So, we should have that out uh, fairly soon. We're going to wrap it up, guys. Thanks for joining us tonight. Look forward to seeing you guys out there on the water here in a couple of weeks.